This is the second part of my episode on Thor Love and Thunder. And in this part of the episode, I discuss all 33 MC films with the exception of Moon Knight Animus Marvel. And I rank them all. That is all in this episode of the Movie Maniacs podcast as part two of my discussion on Thor Love and Thunder and ranking the MCU. Now, getting into this MCU rankings that I have uh, come up with. Now, the, the, these or, the order of this list may change over time, and it probably will, but this is kind of where I'm at right now at the MCU. And listen, I know in recent, uh, recent years, I have not been so kind to the MCU, and I think deservedly so. I, I found this to be interesting. I think it's something like this. MCU Phase 4 has more projects than, like, the first two phases combined or something like that. The MCU is clearly doing quantity over quality, and there is no getting around that. It's incredibly clear at this point. The excessive amount of projects shows a clear sign quantity over quality and whenever your series is being described as quantity over quality that's not a compliment that's a bad thing because phase four has been semi-productive right they are still making money okay make no mistake no way home made a ton of money black widow did well eternals did not, I don't think. Shang-Chi did well. They are doing well. Thor Love and Thunder is doing okay. They are gliding through. They are barely making it. Okay? No Way Home is honestly the only thing that really is holding this phase together. If I were to have to rank the phases, it would probably be phase four, phase two, phase one, and then phase three. Phase 3 has my favorites, you know, Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame. That's got to be the phase that I put at, up top. And then it's got other solid films like Guardians 2, Far From Home. Um, that would probably be my favorite phase. Phase 4, I, I look at it and it's weak. I mean, it's got stuff that I just don't like in it. And a lot of Phase 4 is taking up this bottom spot. But anyway, <clears throat> let's get into this list. 33 projects that I'm mentioning here. Miss Marvel and Moon Knight are not making this list. And anytime I return to do an MC ranking, and I don't know if I will, this may very well be the last time that I rank the MCU. Because honestly, at this point, I don't know whether or not I'm going to go watch another MCU film. And I, I, this may be the end. This may be one of the last times that I discuss an MCU film. No, I doubt it. Right, I I think I'll probably return, but honestly, this this is a, just a a a, sh a shell of what it used to be, you know. And there are really good, there's really good stuff here, guys. And I I do not want to to hide, you know, my my uh, my love and admiration for this series because I really do enjoy the. I mean, these top ten films are 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 all solid. Top five, top 
six or top 10 are all really solid. And even in that middle tier, these are films that I turn on on a regular basis. They're, 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 the good ones are fun to watch and they're easy to turn on. That's one of the things that the MCU is so good at is making films that people like to return to. And I mean, I'm never going to return to some of these bottom films. I've only seen them a few times and I don't ever want to see them again. So the rewatchable films are always a sign of their best work. Um, I included some TV stuff. Um, what, what if is not on the list, but shows like WandaVision, um, shows like Loki, Hawkeye, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, those projects are on this list. So let's get into the list. Um, number 33. Come on, guys. It's Eternals. It's this film. Just I, I, I see what it's going for. Okay, and and I know it gets a bad rap, and I and I am fully you know <laughs> along for that. I I don't think this is a good film. I think it's pretty pretentious. Um, the audacity that the people behind this film had to think that they were gonna get us to care for eleven characters, and also care for the for these two villains, and all it's just such a messy, um, pretentious film. The the, the audacity for them to think that you can sell us on 11 characters in one film that we're all going to like them is just oh my gosh it just the the audacity is ridiculous and then the idea that this film is just, is getting at something deeper here you know we're, the MCU's going art artistic now and all that stuff if this is the MCU going deep, if this is the MCU going artistic, stay back. Stick with Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. I mean, come on. This film, there are moments where the visuals are, are they, they hold power. Like, I always think of that moment where the, what is it, the Celestial shows up and the, the grandness of that being, I, I that was probably my favorite part of the film. But... Honestly, this is not a very well-shot film, in my opinion. I don't think it's that well-shot. Chloe Zhao made a fine-looking film with No Man's Land. The potential is there. But this film, it, it's got all the typical MCU CGI stuff, that the, the fake greed, the weak costumes, and all that stuff that I just am just done with. I mean, this film really showed to me the MCU needs to just find some new costume designers. Because you look at the costumes for all these MCU characters, they look the same. It's that, you know, like armor, but like flexible armor, that same, you know, design. Captain Marvel's suit looks the same as Captain America's. You know, it, it just is so, it, it, it all blends together. Ant-Man's suit, you know, is very much like all the other MCU suits. Same with Thor, same with Shang-Chi, right? It's just, the, it's always that same style. And it's really uh, just frustrating at this point. Winter Soldier, same thing, right? I mean, they're all, and the, the all 11 of the Eternals characters, their suits are generic. No, you know, for a movie that's going for the diversity, and it is not in their outfits because they all look the same. Those suits are just the same bland MCU costume stuff that we've seen over and over and over again. 
please, let's change up the look, for goodness sake. There's only a few costumes that I, like, can fully stand behind <laughs> at this point. They make the same suits. Wasps is the same as Ant-Man's. There's no difference. I mean, it's just, come on, let's get some new suits. Um, but, but the suits are far from my biggest problem with this film. Visually, it's bland. Emotionally, it's lacking in any warmth or anything that I can connect with. The story itself is scattered, boring, uncompelling. Just, it's a mess, guys. And the fact that this movie is asking us to sit here for two and a half hours is just ridiculous. This film is is just slow. Nothing that I could really connect with. Uh, it's easily the bottom of the barrel for me. And this is really the one I will never, ever, 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 ever return to again. It's just not good. Number 32, Captain Marvel. Yes, Captain Marvel. Guys, this film is not good. This is not a good film. And uh, uh, listen, I think Brie Larson got better after this film, but her performance, it's just not good. It's bland. I can't connect with the character. And it's a, it's a, well, it, this is a rough one. I, in my opinion, I, I do not enjoy it. There was potential for this character's work, but it's very much, uh, you know, feels like a, a fake attempt to capture what one woman did, you know, and it, Marvel was just, this is one of the cases one of the one of the rare cases where um, Marvel was behind DC. DC has officially been better at making um, female standalone films than the than Marvel has. Black Widow wasn't good. Captain Marvel wasn't good. Wonder Woman was good. Okay, and Marvel just seems to be a little bit behind on, on in this department. And Captain Marvel, I mean, the fact that she got a, a film before Black Widow, um, which we'll get to that film, but it, it nothing, this film just does not work. It's a bland film, typical tropes that we've seen so many times before. I don't know. I think the directors here, the writers, um, they just messed up. And I don't know if they were really suited to make this project. But um, anyway, number 32, Captain Marvel. Number 31, guys, I got to go Thor Love and Thunder. And for all the reasons that I've previously stated, this is not a good film. It is just, and I've, I really did go hard on this film, and I think deservedly so. This is a bad joke. It's a bad joke. Maybe I don't get the joke. Maybe I don't. But I think this is a horrible, horrible film. And the 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 excessive jokes, the lack of care for its uh its main character is just mind-blowing to me and the fact that this film asks us to care at the end with all they've done is try to give us more jokes and more jokes joke after joke after joke and no I, I i just cannot get behind this film at all i've stated the reasons why it doesn't work and you can go back re-listen to the tape all the reasons i've stated this is one of the most annoying films that I have seen in a long time. If you thought the Lego movie was annoying, go watch Thor Love and Thunder. 
this film just graded on me for two hours. I really respect Taika Waititi. I love what we do in The Shadows, the movie. I love Jojo Rabbit, Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor Ragnarok. I really like this director. And I think he's going to go on to make more good films. But I do not want him back for a fifth film. If his idea is to just ramp up the, the ratio of jokes, more jokes, more jokes. And if he follows that same template for the fifth film, if it, I, I'm just going to watch the trailer. When the fifth film, that trailer comes out, and it looks like all they're doing is trying to ramp up even more, I will not go watch this film. I, I will not go watch this film. And there was there used to be a point where I would say, I'll watch any MCU film. But after Thor Love and Thunder, and we've gotten dud after dud after dud, except for No Way Home. Yes, that is the exception. That is the exception. When it comes to films, since 2021, we have gotten dud after dud after dud. Black Widow. Shang-Chi, Eternals, Thor, Love, and Thunder. It's, and then even the shows. I've invested hours into these shows, and they just haven't paid off. At some point, the line has to be drawn. And Thor, Love, and Thunder, I think, has made me draw that line. I may not go see a fifth Thor film. This film is just annoying, degrading. I don't ever want to watch this film again. It has... Things that I like. Bale's performance is good. Moments of the directing is good. But overall, this film is not that visually impressive. The scenes on Earth are dull. They look uninspiring. The way characters interact with each other is awkward. What is going on with dialogue in Hollywood these days? These big blockbuster films, their dialogue sucks you can't get into the film dialogue is so crucial it's so crucial you watch a film like the social network you watch a film like seven you pay attention to the dialogue and you will see the way it flows the way it moves the way it's a part of the film the way that it gets you into the film these past few blockbusters are just so incapable of getting you invested into a film. And it's because of the dialogue. Dialogue has to get you comfortable. It has to get you invested. It has to get you into the flow of the film. Thor Love and Thunder did everything in its power to prevent me from getting into the film because of its god-awful dialogue. I do not. I do not want to watch this film again. I do not want to see a fifth Thor film. I despised this film. This is a abysmal film, and I by the day more and more, I dislike this film. It just frustrates me how badly this film turned the corner. It just ran right into a wall. And it's incra it's crazy to me how excited I was for this film. I, I know I'm coming off as a hater here. And, I, and I've said this many times. I like the MCU. They have made films I love. I have cried <laughs> with MCU films, okay? I really do like this series. That's why I'm you know passionate when they're not go doing well. 
because I know that they are capable of giving us good stories, but they're not. Thor Love and Thunder should have been a slam dunk. This was not hard. This was not hard, but they really did mess it up here, guys. The jokes are just crude, dumb, and jokes like a, a, a freaking teenager would make. And I, and I am a teenager. But, I mean, this is like, these are TikTok jokes, for goodness sake. There's a moment in the film where Thor is stripped of his clothing. Oh, it's Thor's butt! And on his back it says, R.I.P. Loki! That is like a TikTok joke. We're at that level of comedy. When Todd Phillips says comedy's dead, it's this type of comedy that he's referring to. This is ridiculous. I, I'm done with this series. A fourth film clearly was not a good idea. Um, and maybe there's a reason that the MCU has stuck with trilogies and not gone to the fourth film because I know many people are like, Noah, Thor the, Thor the Dark World was significantly worse than this. I mean, at least this film has some energy. The energy of this film, the, the fact that this film is going so big, I'll take the bland film, the, the bland movie that is Thor the Dark World. It's number 30. It's right after Thor Love and Thunder. They're close. I had to think about it. But Thor Love and Thunder has this massive, it's got this massive style to it. And if the style doesn't work, that's worse than a bland film. So I think Thor the Dark World, even though it is a bland film, I would watch that film again more than I would Thor Love and Thunder because Thor Love and Thunder has a big, bombastic, dumb style that grades on me every minute. I mean, I realized like 15 minutes in the film, I'm not having a good time. What is going on with this film? What? Why is Thor giving speeches to kids? Why is he joking about adults eating their children after their kids have just been kidnapped? It's just ridiculous. Um, So I put, I put Thor The Dark World at 30. It's a bland film, dull writing. It's a dull film. It's not good. Um, And it's been talked about many times as the worst MC film. It's just a bland movie. That that's that's really the problem. Is it's got a bland villain. I think the worst villain in the MCU. I like the stuff between Thor and Loki, and the moment of Thor's mother dying uh, is one of the few good scenes in the film. The romance between Thor and Jane is bad in this movie, like it was bad in Thor: Love and Thunder. It's not a good film. I don't recommend it. I don't ever want to watch it again. But the reason I put it over Thor: Love and Thunder is because it, in all its blandness. In all its blandness, I would return to it quicker because it's not actively annoying me in the way Thor Love and Thunder is. I mean, Love and Thunder genuinely annoyed me. And, oh my gosh, that's, those are just the types of films I, I just can't get behind. Look, Love and Thunder had good stuff. All these MCU films have good stuff. But, man, the problems are excessive in Love and Thunder. And The Dark World... It, it has a lot of problems as well. So I put it up at number 30. Number 29, Black Widow. Ugh, yeah, not good. <laughs> this was not a good film. First two acts were solid. Okay. Um, disappointing, though. When you look at what this film needed to do, it needed to deliver a satisfying Natasha Romanoff story. We signed up for a Black Widow film. Why does Black Widow feel like the most underserved villain or underserved character, I mean, in her own film. This is a Black Widow film, and yet her story is the weakest, arguably, of the film. Her arc is not that impressive. Characters like David Harbour's uh, 
Red Crimson and Yelena's White Widow are significantly more enjoyable and fun to watch and more interesting than anything Natasha does in this film. I really like Scott Johansson as this character. I've been calling for a Black Widow film forever. I felt like it should have been the film after Avengers, quite frankly, because that film really showed how cool and awesome this character could be. She was one of the best parts of Avengers. That should have been the film they made after Avengers, in my opinion, at least. But that's all the way back in 2012. We're looking at it now. This film comes too late. It's a mess. The third act is one of the worst in MCU history. Not good. Doesn't serve its main character well. It's a not recommend in number 29 on this list. Number 28, I gotta go The Incredible Hulk. I finally watched this film. It had been, I've never seen this film before. It has good stuff in it. It, it has good stuff in it. The final battle was was dumb but enjoyable. Uh, Edward Norton does okay. The love interest is laughably bad. The dialogue is god-awful. Um, it didn't feel like William Hurt had really settled into this role because I was kind of comparing him to Sam Elliott in this film. I, think, I thought Sam Elliott did a significantly better job than... Uh, uh, what's his face? Ed, uh, William Hurt, right? Um, so I wasn't a big fan of this film. I all, but I could respect certain things that the film was going for. It does feel like a conflict of visions when you hear about Edward Norton kind of battling with the studio with this film with the different cuts and all that stuff. You can feel that in this film, and it's a problem. The creative control is constantly in battle over the course of the film. You can feel it. The film is tearing itself apart. The romance is bad. Characters aren't great. Edward Norton does okay. I'll pick Ruffalo over over him. I, I could appreciate the the directing to, to an extent. It's it's very much kind of going for like the born identity stuff. I didn't feel like that was the right idea. But the the phase one has some of the more diverse directing visions than any of the other MCU phases. I mean, because the MCU has just found this basic sheen to put all its films underneath in terms of CGI. It blows my mind to me how these films like Black Widow, Love and Thunder, Captain Marvel, Eternals cost twice as much as the Batman, but look 10 times worse. The Batman costs half as much, and it's a billion times better looking than any of these films. It just shows what happens when you let a, I don't know if it's a, the director, the studio's fault, whatever. I mean, I think some of these directors should be pushing a little bit more to break out of this sheen that all these MCU projects are under. That's one of the reasons why I put Falcon Winter Soldier um, a little bit higher than I originally anticipated. It's not coming up on the list yet, but I, I, I respect some of these MCU, MCU shows for at least trying to break out of the sheen. Now, there's a lot of Falcon Winter Soldier and Moon Knight and WandaVision and Hawkeye and Loki that very much have that you know bland style that I've really come to loathe. But there, there are significantly more impressive moments in those shows in terms of the style of directing. Even though the budget feels a little bit uh, like it's constraining them at times and it feels TV and doesn't always look great. There's moments where I'm like, hey, there's potential to make some unique and diverse looking films in the MCU. However, they have found what works and you've got to respect them for it because the MCU very much has a safe business style. It's 
not going to try and break out of the visual, uh, you know, sheen that they've come up with. Maybe it's a cheaper version. I don't know. MCU's always been cheap. I mean, they've gained more money, so their films are more expensive. But they're still, they've always kind of been a bit of a cheaper studio, or even early on. They were always kind of picking the smaller directors, and they've continued to do that. Not many big names directing MCU films. Taika Waititi kind of had his big break with Thor Ragnarok. Chloe Zhao was very, you know, is still kind of a, a very hot up-and-coming director, right? So I think the biggest name that they've got, honestly, is probably Kenneth Branagh. I mean, that's really the biggest name I think of. The Russo brothers came from TV. Um, Whedon came from TV. So uh, they, they've always kind of gone for the cheaper versions of things. The biggest name they've gotten, uh, you know, is remains Robert Downey Jr. And they have backed up the money truck a few times. But for the most part, I don't know, maybe this, this style of directing they've had nowadays has uh, is just a cheaper version. I'm not sure. Um, but sticking in, to in tune with uh, Phase 1, that's one of the reasons why I put Thor. Um, above films like Black Widow, above films films like The Dark World, um, because Bran is directing despite all the Dutch angles and despite all the you know uh, awkward romance stuff. Um, it's not a film that I love, I but I think it's a better film than Dark World, Love and Thunder. There is a more intimate feel between these characters, and that's one of the things I connect with the most when I rewatch this film is. Oh, I don't really go, you know, I don't, I don't love the romance in this film and still don't. I think Thor and Jane is still has never worked. But that being said, there is a more intimate feel to this movie that I can certainly appreciate. I understand what Brandon was going for, but I think he gets a little bit caught up in the fish out of water stuff. And um, just some things in the directing here didn't work. But there are also some things like Asgard. Uh, it's never looked better in this film. They still have not really made Asgard any better than they have since Thor. We, I mean, it, it's it hasn't really looked much better than it did in this film. There's a style here that I that I like, and despite all the Dutch angles, and you know that's all been made fun of and stuff. But uh, I I don't mind this film. I don't think it's a great movie. Um, I don't even think it's a good film. But it's one. It's not the worst. That's what I'll say. It, it's not one of the worst films on the MCU. I put it over Incredible Hulk. It's a little bit more cohesive and and more rewarding in terms of characters. Chris Hemsworth, um, he'll, he'll get more comfortable in this role overall, but this is not a bad debut. Um, this is the best Anthony Hopkins performance. Loki doesn't really find his footing here. Not one of the better villains. A little bit uh, uh, a little bit weak in my opinion, but I understand what Brando is going for this film. I respect the vision, even though I don't think it fully comes together. I put it up at number 27 on the rankings. At number 26, I put Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's the weakest, I think, of the MCU shows. It's not really doing anything that's completely outside of the box, with the exception of the themes. This movie is, uh, the show, I mean, is trying to get at something, something uh, meaningful with our main character. And the relationship that he has with the with the Isaiah character, it was not um, it was not an idea that worked really well. It kind of came out of left field. It wasn't really what I signed up for. Felt sloppy. Wasn't very well handled. And it's the typical stuff that we see. And I, I wasn't 
that impressed by the way the show was handling it because I really liked a lot of the stuff in the early episodes, the banter between Sam and Bucky, the addition of Wyatt Russell. I really liked the uh, the story they were giving him. And I don't really know if by the end it feels like everything was paid off in the way that it needed to. The end episode feels like a preachy lecture. And it irks me so much when we get stuff like this. Sam, ne- or, uh, Sam Wilson in the Captain America outfit giving the lecture. Do better! Uh, that was awful. <laughs> that was awful. Do better! Do better! Better! Uh, no. Uh, red arrow for that. Nuh-uh. Um, the show loses focus, and we see this so many times with these MCU shows, that they lose what was working for them originally in those first few episodes. I was enjoying it. The action was pretty good. I was seeing some flourishes in directing, some some style, some style I was enjoying. And I was like, yes, why don't we get this in the movies? Good Lord. This was good. I was enjoying it. I liked the... The battle over what the symbol of Captain America means. What does that represent? And the aftermath of Steve kind of making this rash decision to leave the shield with Sam. Kind of thrusting it upon him and the responsibility that comes with that. I understand that idea and I like that concept, but the show loses focus and ends up being pretty sloppy. It's got a pretty weak villain. I didn't really uh, enjoy the uh, what is it, the Black Fist or something? I don't even freaking know. Um, the Fist, I don't know, but um, it was not the best villain. Wyatt Russell as this kind of fake Captain America was definitely the villain I preferred. Just wish we got more time with that idea and that character, but. There is, there's so much here that I think works. It's just unfortunate that the show really does lose focus and turns into this really sloppily put together final product that left a bad taste in my mouth. That's what happens with all these MCU shows is you see that originality, you see what's working so well, and then they just mess it up. And it's really sad to see how these great shows ultimately flush themselves down the toilet. It's a... It's a really unfortunate thing. There's potential here and there's good stuff, but I ultimately wasn't a fan because of the way it wrapped up these episodes. Number 25, Shang-Chi. Listen, I know people liked this film, and I didn't think it was horrible. And I was enjoying these first two acts. They were all right. You know, they were fun and all that stuff. And there was some kind of like a little bit of cheesiness with the the way the husband and wife meet. That was a little... uh. Uh, not a great scene, but I think this is one of the best MCU villains we've gotten. The relationship between he and his son, Shang-Chi, was really good. And I really liked their dynamic. I liked the performance by uh, the, the the villain. What was his name? Gosh, uh, I should probably have this cast pulled up. But let me just see. Because he, to me, was the breakout of the film. And I, I know he's done stuff in the past, but... Uh, um. Tony Lung Cho Chi Wong. Oh gosh, dang it! I can't do these names, people. Um, but he did a great job. He he did a great job. Tony, I'll just call him Tony. Tony did a really good job, and he's honestly one of the better MC villains. One of the problems that I have with this film is, you know, we have that great train fight that I that I really did like. Definitely was better than the one in Captain Marvel. 
in my opinion, that's really only the good acts we get in the film because afterwards it feels. Uh, I, I think there's a there's a battle on a rooftop that was pretty good, but also had some shady CGI. The ending sucks. Uh, this is just another problem the MCU runs into. Big beam comes out of the sky. CGI aliens come out. This big dumb CGI creature comes out, and it's just all the same stuff. The fans are tired of. We don't want this anymore. We're tired of these bland third acts that throw away the characters, throw away the stuff we actually care about, and instead give us this really dull fight. I didn't think this fight was good or entertaining in the slightest. And when I see everything that was working in those first two acts go down the toilet, it's hard to endorse the final product because everything that you liked and cared about in the first two acts gets thrown away. The villain's resolution was sloppy, in my opinion, and just didn't work. Uh, it's got some shady CGI. I didn't think this is a great-looking film. Uh, I, I like some of the cultural stuff that they add into it. I think that it, it's well done in those respects. And the, the main character, does Shang-Chi, played by Simu Liu, He's all right. Aquafina is pretty funny as well. It's a fine film. I wouldn't hate returning to this movie, but in the end, it's kind of hard to get on board with this film when it's when it's incapable of bringing all the stuff that I really cared about together in the final act. After the bad battle, I just realized I didn't care about this movie anymore. It had just gone down the toilet, um, and that's a that's just a problem. I mean, anytime. A, a film is just flushing everything that's good about it down the toilet. Man, that's just uh, that's one of the worst things to have with a film because, it, in a way, it almost stings all the more. But uh, Shang Chi, not a bad film, but not a film that I'm gonna return to anytime soon. I put it up at number twenty five, number twenty four, Doctor Strange or Iron Man. It's they're pretty much the same movie. The bald person who they thought was a friend betrays them and has a dark secret. They're, uh, they got a best friend who's black. Uh, I mean, it's just all this, you know, they're, they're rich and arrogant and a jerk to their uh, assistant. Gosh, they got to put their ego aside. They're, they go through a tragedy that puts them, you know, in a near-death experience. Come on. This is, they, they're, they're witty. They crack jokes. Only... That's really what Robert Downey Jr. is good at, not Doctor Strange. This is one of the problems that I run into in this with this character on a frequent basis. There's so much potential in this character, and Cumberbatch is a good actor, but they continue to try and make him Mr. Goofy. Why does he always have to crack jokes? Make him grim. Make him serious. It's one of the problems that I have with Multiverse of Madness as well is the insistence that we add jokes. For I mean, I don't care if there's characters on the sidelines that are cracking jokes, Wong, make him a comedic character. I don't care. But Cumberbatch just is not a comedian. He doesn't crack these jokes all that well. The comedy in Sherlock between him and Martin Freeman is better because that's the type of stuff that British dry humor is better for Cumberbatch than the American you know, cracking jokes, you know, oh, Beyonce, <laughs> cultural reference. <gasps> uh, no, it, it, but that, that's one of the things that really irks me about this film. Also, it's got a very lazy story, a bland villain. Um, Mads Mikkelsen continues to not really, um, 
fit in well with these big studio films, even though his performances always shine through the sloppy character writing that he is always given. I really do enjoy him when he plays these roles. Unfortunately, though, the character writing doesn't back it up completely, and it kind of gives this uh, a very weak, it gives us a weak villain. I like some of the stuff Cumberbatch does. It's not a bad performance. This film and Doctor Strange too, as well, gives him these, you know, these jokes that I just don't think he, I don't, I just don't think that's his uh, cup of tea. But there's also a lot of stuff here that works. I like the whole, you know, uh, out of body experience he goes through towards the, you know, the at kind of the end of the first act. Uh, th that stuff's great. It's the best part of the film by far. But a lot of the other stuff, you know, the relationship with Rachel McAdams, not great. Villain, not great. Moments here, I really do like the details put into this character. Um, I like the part where he goes, when I became a doctor, I swore never to kill a man. And that's kind of like right after he killed someone. Uh, I like that scene as well. There's moments where I really think this character can shine through. And become more than just an Iron Man ripoff, but the MCU always feels like they gotta give us our a lead character who's constantly cracking jokes. I think it's one of the reasons why Captain America works a little bit better because he's not cracking jokes. He is kind of a straight man figure, but because he is kind of a fish out of water, the jokes come more there, and they're more enjoyable. They're more fresh. But Thor, Chris, uh, you know, Star Lord, Iron Man, Doctor Strange. Ant-Man, they're all cracking jokes. Everybody here has got to crack jokes. And I think that that's one of the problems the MCU runs into a lot. But this isn't a bad film. It's pretty generic. I've seen it a few times just because it's pretty straightforward. And it's an all right film to turn on. But I don't think it's great. Um, it's kind of a weak recommend. It's actually the last not – it's a, a weak not recommend. This is the last not recommend of the MCU actually. We got 23 more films, and they're all green. They're all green arrows. So, once again, I'm not an MCU hater. These next few films aren't great, but they're fine. They're enjoyable. I am in three. My number 23 film. This is not a great film, okay? But it's a fine film. The style from Shane Black, uh, it comes through enough. There are things here that I do not think work that well. The villain is weak. The story itself is a desperate attempt to be like a James Bond born type of film almost. I'm not really sure what they're going at. It's Mission Impossible, maybe. I don't know. So that it gets into some weird areas. But when the film kind of stays in this rock mindset where the you know the final credits are dun 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 all that stuff, you know. Like when it kind of keeps in with that style of that that, that Brian Tyler um in credit theme, and it gives us those cool Iron Man suit up moments, you know, that stuff, the third act where all the Iron Man suits come in. Something about it feels a little bit cheap because it makes Tony feel useless. That's one of the things I'm not a big fan of with this film, is all these Iron Man suits make Tony feel a little bit cheap, but it's fun. It's a shallow film. You know, the jokes with the kid, all that stuff, you know, it's just, it's not a very, and like, it's not very, it's not a film with a lot of depth. We'll say that. It's pretty shallow, but it's fine. I, I don't have a problem turning this film on. Robert Downey Jr., the performance feels a little bit tired. 
I think in phase two, something about his performance just felt a little tired. Age of Ultron as well. He just didn't feel like he was really excited to be there. There was a weariness in him the whole time, and I think that's almost intentional. It does take some of the fun out of that Downey performance. And one of the things that I think kind of cheapens this film is the fact that Age of Ultron does it better in the next Next time we see Iron Man, it's the same arc, and I honestly think it's done better in Age of Ultron. So Iron Man 3, it's a weak film. It's kind of right on the edge of that not recommend and recommend area, but because it's got Iron Man, I give it a weak recommend. It barely makes it through, but it's a fun film, and I put it at number 23. Speaking of you know fun, I guess Ant-Man? <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with Ant-Man. I'll say that. I think it's a decent film. It's not the most, you know, deep, you know, it doesn't have a lot of depth, very similar to Iron Man 3. It's a kind of shallow film, but there's a simplicity to it that I think maybe proves to be key. The low scale, as opposed to the constantly massive stakes that we see in these MCU films all the time. The world's gonna end! The universe is shattering! The time, you know, multiverses, things are gonna crash and destroy reality as we know it! The world's gonna end! We see that all the time. And it wears on you. It doesn't feel as special. Ant-Man keeping the low scale, you know, this dad uh, worrying about keep, staying close to his daughter. We see that reflected in the Michael Douglas character with his daughter, Hope. Wasn't a fan of the character, Hope, and I'm still not a fan of the character. Kind of annoying. But Michael Douglas, uh, oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. Paul Rudd. Good Lord. Man, Paul Rudd is good as Ant-Man. I think he's fun. He's got a different wit to him. It is still that, you know, cracking jokes, all that stuff. But this film, it feels a little bit more suited to it. It kind of feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity because of knowing Edgar Wright was behind this film and and left the film, unfortunately. I feel like this movie could have been done better. I don't really think the guy who directed Yes Man really warrants a, a film like this, but... You know what? I don't think that he does the worst job. The villain is pretty bad. Some of the action is good. The, the particularly the third act action scene is is enjoyable. It's a fine film. I've seen it a few times now. A lot of these MCU films I've seen a few times. This is a an all right film. Keeps it simplistic, but sometimes simplicity is key. I think that proves to be the case with Ant Man as well as Ant Man the Wasp, my number twenty one film. Does what Ant Man did in the first film? I think Ant Man and the Wasp does it better. It's got a slightly better villain, but still kind of a missed opportunity. Lawrence Fishburne, a uh, a good addition to the team, as is Michelle Pfeiffer, though she's not in this movie much. Hope is better. Uh, I think the relationship between her and Scott is uh, more. Uh, it's progressed in a better way. I think that it's done better in this film than it than it was in Ant Man. Um, the performance is better. The jokes are better. The action's better. We get uh, some fun moments. It's still a bit of a it. The low scale I enjoy, but at times I, I think it's almost a little too silly. It's a very you know, it, it's a not a dumb film, but you know, it's for the it's for a younger audience. It's more family. It's a more family film, right? A film like Eternals, it's not for the little ones, right? They're gonna fall asleep. It, you know, it's for, you know, I guess people my age and up, um, Jude as well. I, I think got the film 
he didn't like it though. I don't think anybody in my family liked this film. But Ant-Man and the Wasp, the you know the simplicity of it, the kind of the family center at the heart of it. There's a charm to this film that I think comes through. It's not a great film, but it's an enjoyable film. I put it at number twenty-one. I am in two. My number 20 film, it gets a bad rap, I have to say. I think that despite all of the conflicting storylines, the clash of visions between Jon Favreau and the studio, because at this time, we were building up two Avengers, and I think that build-up hindered this film, having to bring in Nick Fury, Black Widow. These additions were not necessary, though I like Samuel L. Jackson in this film. He gets a fun scene. Black Widow does not really work in this film, but Robert Downey Jr. is still very fun. We get one of the best action scenes in the MCU, one of the coolest Iron Man suit-up sequences of all time. We get, you know, Justin Hammer, played by uh, Sam Rockwell. Very fun character. One of the, my favorite scenes in Phase 1 is him showing uh, Don Cheadle the ex-wife. Great scene. Watch that on YouTube. That's a good one. But I really enjoyed this film. John Favreau's directing still comes through. I like the style that he brings. He's got that rock style to Iron Man that is just spot on. And I think after Iron Man 3, Iron Man loses that kind of rock and roll style that we really liked in the first phase. And that's one of the things that I think is disappointing. I wish we got more of those moments after phase one of Iron Man playing ACDC, playing, you know, Guns N' Roses, whatever, that type of music felt such a big part of Iron Man, the rock and the rock music that was always in the background in this film and in Iron Man. I miss those moments for from Iron Man. That's really one of the reasons why I, I put these films, you know, why I enjoy these Iron Man films so much is they have this different style that, that works and is fun. Iron Man 2 is not as good as Iron Man, obviously, but there's some good action here. Mickey Rourke does a pretty good job as Whiplash. It's unfortunate, though, that this character just wasn't as well handled as he could have been. The Iron Man, you know, he's got cancer or whatever. He's dying because of radiation poisoning or all that stuff. It takes the character on a bit of a downward spiral the moment where he's drunk. I get what they were going for. Wasn't a really good scene, though. I don't know if everything comes together fully in this film. Story-wise, this is not a very good film. But the fun that Favreau and Downey bring... That is really what makes this film work and why I've seen it multiple times. Just jumping back in into that rock and roll world of Iron Man is always something that I'm down for. I still think this is a fun film, even if it's not Iron Man's best work. I enjoy it. It's a good film in terms of the enjoyment that it brings. In terms of story, though, it's a pretty weak film. Spider-Man Far From Home, number 19. I know people enjoy this film. I'm not really fully there. I enjoy this movie, but there's a lot here that irks me. And it's not exactly like an Iron Man 2, but it's it's a film that I think has quite a few problems. I'm not really a fan of all the Mysterio stuff. It works in the beginning, kind of gets worse as it goes along. Um, Peter's reluctance to be Spider-Man kind of distracts from some of the enjoyment of the film. It, it, the film is almost too focused on giving you this vacation than it is on actually giving us a, like a good like overall story. It, the, the constant battle between the teen stuff and then the big, you know, Mysterio plot, that constant battle 
I, I get is almost part of the movie in terms of themes, but it, it does hinder the movie as well in terms of enjoyment because the film can't really decide if it wants to be a big action film or if it wants to stay low scale. I like it when they take it low scale because now we're introducing Z you know, she was in the first film, but Zadea is, you know, coming in as MJ and she and Peter, they've got great chemistry, right? And I, I enjoy the chemistry between these two more than I do Toby Maguire and Kristen Dunst. I'm sorry. It's just my opinion. I'm not a massive Tom Holland and Zendaya fan. I'm not looking pictures up at them. <gasps> They're a couple. Oh my gosh. No, I just think they've got better chemistry. And honestly, chemistry was never was never something that McGuire and Dunst had. So mm, you know, I prefer Zendaya and uh, Tom Holland's chemistry over Maguire's and Dunst. I think that's one of the things that works best about Far From Home is their performances. Tom Holland will continue to get better as this character, but I still, I, I really like what he does here. I get some of the conflicting stuff here. At times it works, and at times I want this movie to decide what it wants to be. In many ways, the problems that this movie has, you know, in terms of what it's trying to get thematically is a problem that it actually has when it comes to the film itself. It's got enjoy enjoyable stuff in it. It's just, it doesn't, the, I don't know if the vision fully comes together, but I enjoy spending time with the characters. I enjoy some of the action sequences. The jokes work enough. It's not one of my favorite MC films, but it's a pass. I think it's a fine film. Spider-Man Far From Home, number 19. 18 is WandaVision. What a missed opportunity this was. I still say it's worth watching because of how good this show got in at its peak. The unfortunate part to me is how badly they messed it up in these final few episodes. They just could not really bring it together. They reverted back to the laser beam in the sky and the dull CGI fights. And especially because this is a TV show and not a big MCU film the action is significantly worse, and you can tell the budget is constricting them when it comes to making action in this series. It just does not pull it off very well, and the finale, the last few episodes, aren't that well done, and it hinders the legacy of the show, in my opinion, because this had the potential to be what fans have really wanted from the MCU, something different, something exciting, something original that we haven't seen before in the MCU. A lot of the stuff... We've seen before at this point the same arcs, the same fights. We've seen this stuff before. And what WandaVision was giving us at its best was something fans have never seen before. And that's one of the things that I think people still hold on to when they say this show is good. Haven't heard anybody say the finale was good. If you thought so, let me know. But I haven't really heard anybody say that the show brought it all together in the best possible way. I think it made a lot of mistakes at the end. And it is a bit of a slow burn in the first couple episodes. But when the show is at its best, it's enjoyable. It does disappoint in a lot of areas. But the performances by Paul Benny and specifically Elizabeth Olsen really are the heart of the show. They're a lot of fun. But Elizabeth Olsen also brings a depth to Wanda that we've never seen before. It's only unfortunate that Sam Raimi would go on to completely kill this great arc she has in the next film on this list, Multiverse of Madness, number 17. Yeah, Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi kind of messed up the WandaVision arc, but hey, he did something fun and original. 
And you know what? I appreciate the man. I appreciate what he does here. The Illuminati rubbed me the wrong way. It still kind of does. But there is something pretty darn awesome about Wanda coming in and killing the whole Illuminati. That is the type of madness, no pun intended, that Sam Raimi brings to this film. I am conflicted on it at times because the dialogue sucks. The themes of the film have potential but ultimately do not come through. Doctor Strange giving a lecture to uh, America at the end just didn't work. It's clunky um, themes, not well executed. What the message is really doesn't work. But in terms of the fun and excitement Sam Raimi brings to this film, I can appreciate what he's going for. I enjoy this film. I enjoy the madness. I enjoy the directing. That is really what makes this film work. Danny Elfman composing. Sam Raimi directing. That style is really what comes through. What I recommend this film, it's style over substance. What this film has in substance when you look at characters, story, themes, it's not good. But I'm going style over substance here because of how fun the directing by Sam Raimi is. That's really this type of stuff that I'm enjoying when it comes to this film. Is it, does it work in every aspect? No. But I enjoy the madness that Sam Raimi brings here, the inventiveness, the fun. It works for me. It's a weak recommend. It's also number 17 on the list. So there you go. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. An improvement over Doctor Strange, but also the excessive the excessive jokes and so forth that Benedict Cumberbatch is always having to drop. The side characters are always having to drop. Don't always work. I don't really know if they've nailed this character yet in his in his actual films. I enjoy him more as a side character, and I'll talk about that as we get into some of the Avenger films. But I enjoy Multiverse of Madness for the directing. Sam Raimi really does prove that when you put full trust in a director and let them go crazy, except for Chloe Zhao, they are able to make a really fun and exciting film. And I really do enjoy the visual look of this film. I think that is really what Multiverse of Madness brings when it comes to the positives. So that's why I put it at number 17 on this list. Number 16, I'm going Captain America, the first Avenger. We're getting to some really solid territory with the MCU now. This film has its problems. The third act is a little bit messy, and I don't know if it brings all the good stuff together fully like it could have, but I enjoy the visual look of this film. It's got that originality, that phase one really does hold near and dear to me at least that's one of the things i like most about this first phase but there's more to this film than just the style we've got chris evans as captain america who would have thought this guy would have pulled off this performance it seems like nowadays chris evans is more focused on lecturing his audience than he actually is you know promoting his film but whatever there used to be a time where chris evans wasn't this white knight for disney but I really enjoy him as Captain America. He gives a good performance here. It's earnest. It's endearing. The kind of bluntness that he has proves to be more funny than Benedict Cumberbatch having to constantly crack these jokes. I really do enjoy this performance here. I really do think this is one of the better origin stories, the way it all kind of comes together, him you know, talking to this doctor and all that stuff and kind of understanding the task he is taking it's a really good origin story, and I like the way his character progresses through the film. The transformation and all that stuff is great. 
I think this is just a really solid film overall. The third act isn't great, but it's not bad. It's not Shang-Chi. It's not Eternals, okay? This third act of this film is acceptable, but it is a little bit disappointing in terms of what this film could have been. I do feel like it was a little bit underwhelming when it came to bringing everything together, but I like the performance Hugo even gives as Red Skull. I don't think the villain is actually all that well-rounded, but I think the performance itself is good, and it remains semi-iconic in the MCU. I think that there is still a respect for the performance given by Hugo Weaving. I enjoyed it, at least, even if the character wasn't as well-rounded as he could have been. Not the best villain, but still a solid performance at the center of it. The film is well done. It's really well directed. And the earnestness from the filmmaker and the actor himself is one of the things that makes me constantly return to first avenger even though i think it's the weakest captain america film in the mcu still a solid film number 15 age of ultron i'm here to tell you guys this film gets a bad rap it's not that bad it is a solid film i think it's a solid movie sorry i've whoo massive allergies but anyway the film is convoluted. There is a somewhat clash between Whedon and the studio. The studio wants Infinity War. It wants Thanos. Let's build up to Thanos, right? That's one of the things that this that is kind of clashing. We get the, that weird moment of Thor in the pool or whatever and all that stuff. That doesn't really work that well. At times, the film underserves on certain characters. Avengers, the first film, did a great job at balancing all these characters. Age of Ultron doesn't do that as well. Certain characters feel sidelined. Characters like, uh, I think, Captain America does at times, even though I think he comes through a little bit more. The stuff between Hulk and Natasha wasn't great. It had potential. I just don't know if they fully executed it that well. Thor, there you go. There's a character that really gets sidelined in this film. Doesn't have an arc at all. The few, you know, additions to the crew, Vision, uh, Wanda, Quicksilver, none of them really work that well in this first outing, but they're going to grow in the future, except for Quicksilver, he gets shot. And honestly, Aaron Taylor Johnson wasn't doing a great job as that character anyway. I have fond memories of this movie. I remember getting to, you know, get out of school early to go watch this film with my dad. That's one of the, uh, uh, a memory that I enjoy. And I remember this movie came out around the same time as our, uh, oh, what's it called? Our book fair or whatever, our book fair. I got my first comic book at the book fair. It was a age of all, all comics that were kind of tying in with Age of Ultron and stuff. And that was the first comic book I ever got. I got an MCU encyclopedia. This movie really started to build my love for the MCU. And it's why I'm a fan today. So there is a certain um, admiration that I have for this film, mainly just because of a lot of the memories that I have with it. Returning to this film, I still think it's fun. Ultron is a bit of a messy villain but the performance by james spader is creepy it's 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 a good performance and i really do like what james spader brings to the role it is convoluted the third act is messy a lot of this film is messy quite frankly but it also gives you these great personal moments with the team with the avengers the you know the party scene is a iconic part of the mcu now 
we really get to get closer with these characters and you know the whole hawkeye farm thing it almost gets laughed at but at the same time i think if you look a little bit closer there's actually something pretty earnest at the core of it i think this is a solid film it is messy and the weakest avengers film but i think there's still fun and there's parts of this story that i think are actually excellently handled Whedon does not pull off the balancing act as well in terms of the story, the villain, all that stuff, and the characters that are leading the film itself. But we get great moments throughout the film. The farm scene, the party scene, Hulk versus Hulk Buster, uh, a really fun MCU battle as well. I enjoy this film. I put it up at number 15. 14 is Guardians of the Galaxy. Listen, listen, I know people love this film. And listen, it's not a bad movie. But honestly, it's just not my cup of tea. I think that The Suicide Squad is a better film. I think it's more visually impressive. I think the characters are more fun. But that's no slight to Groot, Star-Lord, Gamora, Rocket, and Drax. I think they're all fun characters. And even though I think that, you know, not all these jokes land quite quite that well it's an enjoyable film and i don't know i think that the villain is meant to be bad it's still a bit of a problem to me i don't know if the story itself is that good and that's my main problem here the character development is a little bit weak it relies a lot on the performances given by the actors and the jokes that they bring to the table it's really the the way that this movie connects with the characters is through the jokes. Who do you laugh at the most? That's going to be the character you probably like the most. It does have the occasional touching moment, like the opening scene, Groot dying. But when this team has that moment when they're standing around and they're, you know, it's kind of that moment similar to Avengers when Phil Coulson dies and all that stuff. They're kind of down in the dumps. They've got to unite as a team. Guardians of the Galaxy that has a similar moment, but the excessive amount of the excessive amount of jokes hinders that great rallying moment that this team needed there's just a few too many jokes here for me to really get connected with these characters i think that's one of the reasons why i put guardians of the galaxy volume 2 higher above this film because i think i connect with them a little bit more but there's a lot that i still enjoy with this film the jokes work the performances are fun and i think the craziness that james gunn brings at to, to the table is enjoyable enough. I enjoy it. It's not one of my favorite MC films, but I get the excitement that has brought the Guardians of the Galaxy as into that, you know, that that household name territory. It's not one of my favorites, but it's a fine, solid film. Guardians of the Galaxy is my number 14. Number 13, Black Panther. Maybe you say it's a little bit low. And honestly, I understand why so many people love this film. I get the cultural impact that it had and all that stuff, and that's all well and good. But when I look at this film, it's not one of my favorite MCU films. The character of T'Challa himself feels a little bit more underwhelming when we have all these great side characters like, uh, you know, Claw, Killmonger, Okoye, Nakia, right, uh, Shuri. Well, uh, T'Challa honestly feels like the weakest character in his own film, and that's a bit of a problem for me. I wish we got a better story for our main leading actor. Chadwick Boseman is so good in this role, I just wish he got a better story to back it up for his character. But I like a lot about what this movie does. The main reason this film is as high as it is, because honestly, in terms of story, it's not my favorite. I'd have probably put it a little bit lower. 
But what really puts this film up at number 13 and why it's not like maybe 15 or something is Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. I think Patrick said on the podcast that he didn't like this performance. I do. I, I, I honestly really do enjoy this performance. I think that he's the best character in this film and in the running for the best MC villain. Now, that's not saying a whole lot because these MC villains are known for being weak. But I think, you know, when I look at the top villains, Thanos, Killmonger, Loki, well, Killmonger is in that discussion, in my opinion. He is in that discussion as one of the best MC villains. I think he's really good. I wish he got a better, you know, third act. I think the third act of this film sucks. I don't think it's very good. It The CGI is awful. It feels rushed. Doesn't feel well put together. But Michael B. Jordan is really what makes this film work for me. The uh, emotion that he brings to this character really does impact the way I feel about the rest of the film. He's really what puts this film at a higher spot. In terms of story and, you know, directing and all that stuff, I don't think this film is the best. But what Michael B. Jordan brings to the table, the passion that he brings to the character really does put this film up as high as it is. So I put Black Panther at number 13. Now, that may sound like a little bit of a, a weaker review for this film. I like it. It's a fun film. The side characters are enjoyable, all that stuff. But in terms of actual story, I don't know if this film is all that gripping. It does feel like stuff that we might have seen before. But what Michael B. Jordan brings puts this film over movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, First Avenger. Michael B. Jordan is really what puts this film up a few more notches. So that's really the reasons why I put the reason I put this film at number 13. At number 12, I put Hawkeye. I think people kind of slept on Hawkeye in this show. Or, or the show itself, quite frankly. The show, honestly, is a lot like its main character. It kind of got a little bit slept on. Not pe- not a lot of people really did pay attention to the show. I thought it got kind of the least amount of discussion out of... You know, actually, that's not true. Miss Marvel probably did, but... I enjoy Hawkeye. It is an example of Ant-Man done better, in my opinion. The small scale is done at its best with Hawkeye. It's really the stuff that I enjoy most about this film. What's so interesting to me is how I'm significantly more invested in whether or not Clint makes it back home to his kids in time for Christmas. Way more invested in that than I am invested in whatever Eternals was about. The world blows up, Celestial comes in, takes Earth, whatever that i was not invested in that at all i know they're not going to kill earth this movie might have ended with him not making back to his kids i don't know but i i was kind of on the edge of my seat hoping he would make it to his kids the earnestness of the you know the style the directing and the actual performances it's really what makes this show a little bit more special than some of the other uh installments that are lower on the list the relationship between clint and kate bishop is one of the things that I really do think makes this show work. I think it's the heart of the show. It's what I like most about the show. Haley Steinfeld is a lot of fun. Arguably the best Jeremy Renner performance as Hawkeye. They're really what keeps this show together. The third act or whatever, the final episode, bringing everything all together, it wasn't the strongest, but it wasn't the weakest. We've seen weaker finality finales to the show, and the small scale, the simplicity of it all, I enjoyed it. I was invested in the actual characters. Certain parts of the show don't really work as well. Tony Dalton didn't really work as well, but I, I like a lot about this show. I, I like the 
the main characters. That's honestly one of the things that I think is what I think it's the main thing, honestly, that puts this show above, you know, things like Guardians of the Galaxy and all the lower stuff on the list. I, I really do enjoy uh, Hawkeye and and uh, uh, Kate Bishop. They're really what work best about the show. And I had a really fun time going through it. It, it was enjoyable. I had, had a fun time just hanging out with these characters. But there's also, you know, that urgency as well. Uh, you know, whether or not Clint make, makes it back home to his kids in time for Christmas. Just the simplicity of it, the smaller scale, I think it was what was needed for a show like this. I didn't need Hawkeye trying to save the world. I just needed him to make it back home for Christmas. So, in that way, I think that the show works. It reflects on the character, his past sins and all sins and all that stuff. I think it's a fun time. I think it's a fun show. So I put it up at number 12. Number 11, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It takes the characters up a few notches. Now, Gamora, Nebula, they are a little bit more sidelined. Certain characters feel pushed to the side a little bit more than they were in the first film, but I actually think what they're given is still better than what they were given in Guardians of the Galaxy. I connect with every character here more than I did in the first film. Is there a lot of jokes that don't work? Yes. But are there jokes that do work? Yes. I think that the film is more enjoyable. I think the directing is more fun, more stylish. And of course, we have, you know, Yondu and all that stuff, which, you know, I got a little bit misty. That was good. I, I think that's one of the best parts about this film. Kurt Russell as the villain, not the most complex, but Kurt Russell is an actor who I really do like. And his performance makes this villain feel a little bit more than he actually is. I think the style is fun. I think the characters are, are taken up a notch. I enjoy this film. It's a fun time. It's not a strong film, but I enjoy it. And I think it's a, a, a more solid film than the first installment. May, people may disagree with me, but I, I think that this film works slightly better than the first film. And so I put it up at number 11. Okay, so now we're breaking into the top 10, kicking things off. These are the top 10 of the MCU. Number 10, Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, is this the strongest film ever? Ever? No, it's not. But there's a lot here that works. It's got one of my favorite MCU moments. Um, it's, it's that scene of Michael Keaton and Tom Holland in the car right before Tom Holland has to go to the Homecoming dance. And we get that great... Uh, almost like subtle standoff between the two. I love the moment as they're driving to the school, the the directing, it's the best stuff in the directing where um, the red lights over Michael Keaton, then he realizes Peter Parker, Spider-Man and the light flashes green. And man, I, I really do like that scene. There's also a lot of other stuff that I like here. I enjoy the the simplicity of this film. I, I like the you know keeping things in center with the school, the balancing act of act of school, and you know all the big MC stuff that you can come to expect with a film like this. The balance is much better than it is with Spider-Man: Far From Home. That's one of the reasons why I put Spider-Man: Homecoming above far from home. I like all the, the stuff focusing on, you know, Peter and, you know, liking Liz and all that stuff. And then the moments of him just kind of chilling, learning about the, you know, the suit, that stuff is good. Is it a bit of a, you know, boost in, you know, advancement with the technology and stuff? That is a bit of a problem for me because Spider-Man is never one to have so many gadgets. 
And I think that's been one of my problems with this MCU Spider-Man. Hopefully, we're going to see a more down-to-earth version of Spider-Man in the coming projects. If we end up seeing any uh, Spider-Man MCU films, I'm sure that we will. But I like, you know, Peter Parker here. I think Tom Holland, you know, he does Spider-Man and Peter Parker very well. While Andrew and Toby have both been good at one part of the character, I think Tom does better at both. So I, I really do enjoy his performance. Um, Ned's a fun character. Um, I I know that people don't really love the way that Iron Man has kind of cast a shadow over Spider-Man, and I get that. I think that that isn't necessarily a problem for me with Homecoming. I like the uh, the scene that we do get of Iron Man, that mentorship that, that Iron Man is kind of having to rise to to you know, officially kind of accept that leadership or that mentorship role. It's, it's, in a way, it's a good small arc for uh for for the uh for Iron Man to have. He's not in the film a whole lot, but I enjoy the moments that we get with him. I honestly enjoy what my one of my favorite scenes of the film is when Tony has to take the suit from Spider-Man. There is a lot of good themes here in this film that I like and kind of staying, you know, with your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, all that stuff. I like that. I, I like staying in tune with that part of the film. So when this film stays, you know, low scale, you know, when they get to the final act and, you know, the plane and vulture fight and all that stuff, that, that stuff's not really my favorite. But I really do enjoy where the the film stays close to the ground, kind of like, you know, what Tony's trying to get Peter to do, stay close to the ground and all that stuff. Uh, the, it's got a great, you know, I, I love the opening scene of the film, not not the part where vulture gets uh, fired or whatever the the part where you know spider-man is making this short film of him you know fighting silver war all that stuff i thought that was fun the, i i think this is an enjoyable film it's not doing anything that is the you know mind-blowing or anything like that but there is a uh something pleasant about every time i return to this film i'm always i always have a good time and that's really all that an mcu film needs to do that's why i put it at number 10 number nine loki this series is trying to do things differently than anything we've seen before in the MCU, and I think it's more successful at doing that than WandaVision was. I like the last episode of Loki, even if it might not be the most exciting, the most big, bombastic ending for the show to have. Taking things to a lower scale and having this conversation between Kang or, or or whatever, I don't care, Kang and Loki, or the two Lokis, right? And having almost this this kind of complex discussion to me was more interesting than if the show had gone the WandaVision direction and just said, oh, we're going to have a big night. Boom. CGI. That stuff is not really what I think these television shows have been the best at. So keeping things more script-centered, more character-centered, I think proved to be a better idea for Loki. There are moments where the CGI doesn't work, and I think the themes get a little bit muddled. Not all the stuff, you know, the dynamic between the two Lokis. I wasn't a big fan of that idea, but I understand what they were going for. There's a lot that I like here. The Hiddleston performance, Owen Wilson's performance. There's a lot of crazy places that the show goes that I enjoy. The style, the retro, you know, sci-fi and all that stuff was really enjoyable. I like that look to the show for the most part. I think it's really interesting and uh, visually um, 
visually pleasing, you know, seeing all these cool sets and stuff. There is, you know, a lot of green screen that I didn't think was that great. And that's kind of what you would normally expect when the show goes to the action, uh, the, the action hole or whatever. It, it's awful. The action in the show sucks. But when the show focuses on this kind of complex sci-fi story that it's working at, that's where I really enjoy the show. I think it's it's an interesting show, and it goes for these cool concepts, and maybe not all of them work, but I like that the show goes for different things, and for the most part, I really do like the concepts that the show brings up. I enjoy the show. I put it at number nine. Number eight, I got the first Avengers film. This is a movie that I thoroughly enjoy from start to finish i think this is a blast i really do i enjoy building the team the dynamics between the team everybody here works together in terms of chemistry the way they bounce off of each other the dynamic between iron man and captain america the dynamic between uh natasha and captain america starting to build here as well um thor and hulk Hulk and Captain America, all this stuff I do really like. The addition of Mark Ruffalo, it's a shame to me that this character, you know, Bruce and Hulk, it's kind of gone downhill since the, since this point in the MCU. This is the best Hulk we've ever gotten, in my opinion. This, what I really like about this movie and what Joss Whedon does is he makes he makes a good Hulk film. He makes a good Iron Man film. He makes a good Thor film, a good Black Widow film, and a good Captain America film. Black Widow really does shine through in this film. She's significantly better than she was in Iron Man 2. We get great moments, uh, you know, between her and Loki and moments between her and Bruce that I really, really liked. I think the performance is a Big step up from Iron Man 2. Not that Scott Johansson did anything bad in Iron Man 2. Her story just wasn't that well made. Here in The Avengers, she's really finding her groove here. I think this is one of the best uh, performances that we see from her as this character. So many great moments. The mo you know, the moments where we see the whole team united. The final action battle. You know, it it, it may be you know, CGI, stereotypical stuff that we've come to expect from the MCU, but I don't think there's many third acts that are better than the one in the Avengers in terms of the excitement and fun that you have. Is it a little bit stereotypical and CGI, all that stuff? Yes, but I still have a fun time. Joss Whedon, he, he shoots it pretty well. This, the directing isn't the most outstanding. Some of the costumes are a little bit weak. I'm looking at you, Captain America. But the performances and the chemistry between everybody here, the building of this team, the moments where Nick Fury talks about how important this team is and all that stuff, it's just a really good way to cap off Phase 1. And this is really where the MCU starts to take off. And I really do think that everybody here does a good job there's a lot of good fights and but really the moments that stick out the most in this film are the moments where the characters are talking that's really what i think works best and i think that the balancing act that whedon does pays off here whedon comes from a background of television and i think that that really does help him balance out a lot of these storylines a lot of these characters we see that as well with the russo brothers when it comes to their balancing act when we get into some of their bigger films they these people that come from tv are better at balancing out all these crazy characters and stuff then maybe the directors who are solely focused on one character normally that's how movies are made is it's about one or two characters not five not six not 11 chloe Zhao. but hey i think that this is a really fun film i've seen this movie 
countless times, and I'll see it many more times to come. It's a really fun film. It's a blast from start to finish. I really do enjoy it. It's the cap off of Phase 1, and I don't think uh, they could have ended it off in a better way. When you look at these all these phases, none of them none of them have, ever, have ended as good as Phase 1 because we cap off with Avengers. Even Phase 3, my favorite phase, ended off with a weaker film like Far From Home. So I really do. I think this is a film that honestly we don't give enough credit at this point. Now that we have films like Infinity War and Endgame and Silver War, Winter Soldier, Ragnarok, Iron Man, you know, or, no, Iron Man was early on, but Endgame, you know, all these bigger films, right, that have kind of consumed pop culture even more, right? Films like Guardians of the Galaxy and so forth, films like No Way Home. We kind of forget about one of the OG films, and that's the Avengers. This is kind of one of the films that got things started, got things going. It made Thor a better character. It made Hulk a better character. Because if we had gone from Thor 1 all the way to Age of Ultron, we wouldn't give a crap about Thor. But at this point, we really do start to connect more and more with these characters. Characters that didn't work like Black Widow start to work better here. I think that this film does a lot that's really important and crucial to the MCU. That's why I put it at number eight. Moving on to number seven. I had to put this movie up in the top ten. You guys know what it is. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. And not only was this movie exciting because of all of the callbacks, the returning characters, all that stuff, and how well executed that stuff was, um, but it was also super refreshing when these past few MCU films and shows that I've kind of discussed just haven't really delivered. They haven't really been that that exciting or um, that entertaining. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home completely, uh, it, its sole mission is to entertain you and to just give you a good time. And sometimes you have films that don't care about the audience and those films are good as well but when it comes to the big you know summer or you know the big action spectacles where people are showing up with their families just have a fun time which is you know what uh my family did with this movie uh, we're just there to be entertained and have a fun time we're not asking for anything more than that and so no Way Home completely delivered in that regard. It's a fun film, good characters, one of my favorite Spider-Man films. I, I've liked it more and more each time. I've seen it three times at this point, and it's a really entertaining film. They handled these cameos, these uh, returning characters, very, very well. But amongst all the craziness and the spectacle of all of these returning characters, the film stays focused on Tom Holland's Spider-Man. It still does not feel like it uh, moves on or, or, or is astray from its main mission, and that is to give us a Tom Holland Spider-Man story. And in that regard, it's the best the character has ever gotten. It feels like he... Oh, gosh, my allergies are still acting up. Uh, but it still feels like he is the center of the film. And that's so, that's so important because we've seen these films go down the wrong route. They've, or the wrong route, whatever you want to call it, where they've just lost focus and it doesn't really feel like it's about our main character. 
and our hero ends up kind of getting overshadowed by all the different forces throughout the film, it still feels focused. And I think Tom Holland gives his best performance as Spider-Man. And it's the best story the character's ever gotten. So even amongst all the fun, what I remain so happy and content with when it comes to Spider-Man No Way Home is that it still feels like a great story for this character. And I feel like it leaves the door open in a way where the best is yet to come. And I can confirm that that is a possibility because Spider-Man has had, or at least this version of Spider-Man has had all these technological advances, Iron Man, the Avengers, he's been shrouded by all that stuff. We're finally, I think, set up for a film that's going to give us the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and really take Spider-Man back to his roots. And that's what's exciting about the future of Spider-Man to me. But when it, I, I am not against Spider-Man being a part of the Avengers and all that stuff. We had a good run with that. We had three good solo films with him in that Avengers universe where he was really deeply connected with all that stuff. And then we had him involved in three big other films, Silver War, Endgame, Infinity War. He has been a part of the Avengers world. Now we're going to see him at the ground level being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So I really enjoyed this film. I'll see it many more times in the future. It's highly entertaining, um, but it also packs a lot of emotion in it as well. And it's a very well-handled film. And the fact that this movie is just out there to to entertain you and give you a, a good time, but also give you everything that a good movie needs good characters emotion a story that i'm invested in i i really do respect the creators buying this film for giving us a film of that you know wasn't at, at near the level of like you know black widow or love and thunder or or just some of the other just kind of sloppiness that we've gotten from the mcu lately this movie really does stay focused, and I think that's the reason that it made as much money as it did. Um, that that the film knows what the audience wants and delivers on it in a in a good way, not a fast and furious way where it's just oh, big action explosions isn't this what people want? But it gives them the character lines that people want. It gives them those moments that they've been looking for, but also doing things on its own that. Um, are even better than I think what fans expected. And I loved the experience of going to the big sold out IMAX theater and seeing how invested people were in this film, the cheering, the clapping, all that stuff. It's just a part of the theater experience experience and Spider-Man No Way Home provided that in spades. So I put it up at number seven. Many people may put it up higher than I did. Um, one of the only problems that I have with this film is I do feel like when it comes to the action, the visual directing, John Watts is just not my guy. I, I don't think that he is an outstanding director um, when it comes to making these exciting visual films. I rewatched I, I re The Amazing Spider-Man 2 recently, and even Mark Webb, I thought, had a better, a better style in those two films than John Watts. 
So there is still something about the directing that I can't fully get into, but I think John Watson also has his fingers on the pulse of what fans are looking for, the writing behind these characters. He understands that aspect of the movie. So he's not a bad director. He just doesn't bring everything that I think Spider-Man could have when it comes to the visual look of the film. It doesn't really feel like Tom Holland has a directing style of his own when it comes to the look of his films. That would be my one critique of this film uh, that really has bugged me. I mean, there, there are a bunch of little nitpicks, like how the first act is a little slow, struggles to find its footing at first. There are other criticisms that you could make, but that's one of the ones that I wanted to point out, which I still feel like this version of Spider-Man is lacking a little bit in the stylistic directing. But when you look at the story that we got with the characters that we got and the emotion that uh, the director and writers brought to this film, it, it's really a, a more minute problem in the grand scheme of things. But anyway, moving on, number six, I had to go with John Favreau's Iron Man, a highly entertaining film. Perhaps one of the more one of the most entertaining films of its decade, quite frankly. There are Iron Man people and then there are the Dark Knight people. Both films came out the same year. I am more of a Dark Knight guy, but man, oh man, Iron Man is a blast from start to finish. It moves at a pace that is enjoyable, but also respectable to its characters and gives them the time to build their arc as the movie goes along. Robert Downey Jr., Need I say more? He is a highly, highly entertaining actor. And this is just, I mean, this performance, it, um, whether he likes it or not, it's going to define him forever. And will, I mean, he will always be remembered, I think, as Iron Man. And, but, and I don't think that's a problem, though, because Iron Man feels like it'll always be Robert Downey Jr. Nobody will ever be able to play this role in the same way that Downey did. Things will have to be done differently. We'll never look at that actor the same way as we looked at Downey in this role. So not only does Iron Man kind of have a grip on Downey, but Downey has a grip on Iron Man. And I think that that type of dynamic between actor and character is one of the things that makes this movie work so well. John Favreau's directing is great. I think we underrate him sometimes. And a lot of the directing in the desert parts of the film, in the flying sequences of the film, the action. I love the shot of him walking, you know, in front of the explosion. Cliche, yes, but I liked the way Favreau shot it. And then he also, you know, the suit up sequence and all that stuff, the way the outfit looks, it just looks so much better than the stuff that we get nowadays with the MCU's CGI. I think Favreau also wove in some practical effects I thought were pretty impressive as well. The movie is highly entertaining. The rock and roll style, the ACDC, all that stuff. It's so it's such a part of the character. And he has an arc that I think you can genuinely get behind. We've also got great uh, side players as well. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper. Um, Anthony Edwards, not Anthony Edwards. Uh, what's his name? Uh, gosh, dang it. Maybe it is. Terrence Howard. Yeah, Terrence Howard uh, as uh, uh, Rhodey. A, a short-lived role, but I thought he did a good job. We also have Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stane. And while in the third act, it may not be the most well done, I still think it's fun. The villain is not the 
most third dimensional, but I I enjoy the performance given by uh, by Jeff Bridges. I I think that he is such a charismatic actor, and he he brings this um, this grit to the character that I enjoyed. And there's obviously all that stuff, you know. Tony Stark built this in a cave and all that stuff. And I still think that the performance, putting the suit aside and all that stuff that is not as good, I still think the performance is fun. And that's really what everything in this film is like. It, it's it's highly enjoyable, but there's also um, a, a good theme at the center of it, the redemption that Tony has to undergo looking at how his weapons are being used in this war. There are still serious uh, themes here, both political and uh, and character building. I and I, I really do respect that about the film. It's not just you know a, a highly entertaining film. There is more to this movie than that. It is a smart film. It's not dumb. I feel like a lot of films you have to turn your brain off and just have fun. You know, I watched uh, you know uh, some sort of action film recently. You know, the, it's always turn your brain off and all that stuff and. I don't know. I, I have a hard time going along with that idea. And I, I understand, you know, films like Fast and Furious, that's necessary. But, oh man, I, I don't, I wish that action films, you you didn't just have to always turn your brain off. But listen, with the films like Fast and Furious, I get, you know, I do that. I got to turn my brain off. They're not the most smart films. But, with a film like Iron Man, I think it's a little bit more than your Fast and Furious. It still has um, good themes and a, and a serious story at the center of it that still works, as well as being incredibly fun. So I put it up at number six in the MCU rankings. Moving on, we're in the top five of the MCU. I got to go Avengers Endgame. People may be saying, why isn't it higher? How could you not put it higher? Listen. Listen, for all the highs of this film, and they are magnificent. I love this film. I really do. I've seen it many times. It's a great film. The impact of this film, I mean, I don't know if any other film has done it. And I know Avatar, because it re-released or whatever, it remains, you know, the highest film of all time. So Endgame doesn't really hold that spot, but come on. I mean, in terms of cultural impact, man, I mean, I don't remember when Avatar came out. What was that, 2007? 2000? No, it was like 2008, 2009, maybe 2009. I I was like two then or something like that. I don't remember that impact. Endgame is the biggest cultural impact that I was like a part of. And I remember, you know, going to see in game and you know the the uh the impact that film had on me was just uh i mean it's insane right that movie was insane and it delivered that was the crazy thing is this same year the biggest cultural show game of thrones wrapped up as well and did a horrendous job and rise of skywalker also did not really deliver but in game that film actually ended up wrapping up these arcs in a satisfying way and giving us one of the one of the best third acts of all time is the battle itself 
that well constructed. When you look at films like Lord of the Rings, where these big epic battles are meticulously constructed and there's act- an actual game plan, all that stuff. I, I don't know. If the, I don't think it's the best battle of all time, but in terms of emotion and of, you know, excitement, I mean, seeing, you know, Falcon, Black Panther, Spider-Man all come out of those portals on your left, all that stuff that has become so iconic and such a massive part of the MCU already. You know, I love you 3000. This film, it is so iconic. And, you know, wrapping up, I just talked about Iron Man, right? And, and wrapping up Robert Downey Jr.'s run as this character. I mean, we thought he was going to step away in Iron Man 2. We thought he was going to step away in Avengers. We thought he was going to step away in Iron Man 3, Age of Ultron. We've thought, he's, we, we've thought that for so long. And now that they finally did it, they handled it in the best way possible. I feel like the Russo brothers directing didn't fully translate when it came to these Avengers films. They're not the most beautiful films I've ever seen. I feel like their directing is better suited for the the action stuff like Winter Soldier and Silver War. But they know how to balance these characters out. And they delivered satisfying conclusions to, you know, Captain America. Maybe not Black Widow. I don't know. But eh, whatever. Captain America, Iron Man. They are able to deliver all the fun and excitement these movies need to have as well as giving us these really important first acts of the film and important emotional moments like seeing the aftermath of the snap um reflecting on how far we've come and and having these uh reflective moments that are are emotional in their own right they really did handle them in a, in a very well done manner, and you've got to give the Russos credit because they they really are a part of what makes the these you know Infinity War and Endgame. They're really a part of what makes those two films work. At the same time, though, you've got to give the credit to the actors, the writers. Um, th- these films are so much more than directors. They're so much more than actors. They're a full team. You, you really get the sense that this is a full team working on this film, and you've got to make sure you give them all the credit when it comes to making a film of this magnitude and a film of this scale. It absolutely delivered, and it's my number five film. Need I say more? I got Silver War at number four. And listen, this film honestly gets better and better every time I watch it. I'll think, oh, I don't know. Is that film really that good? And then I'll be watching it again, and I'll go, heck yeah, it is. It's a ton of fun, but I feel like the Russo brothers work even better when it comes to these Captain America films. They provide a grit and a a kind of a spy thriller feel to them that translates really well to Captain America. But this film is, I mean, come on, it's Avengers 2, right? Let's, you know, or Avengers 3. Right, and all that stuff. It, it does feel like an Avengers movie in many respects, with except for the absence of of uh, Thor and, I guess, Hulk. But honestly, Thor was barely a part of Age of Ultron. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I, I really do feel like this was a well-done film by the Russo brothers. And it, this was a, a tricky thing. I don't know. I mean, if, if under somebody else's hands, I don't know whether or not this would have worked. But they managed to pull it off. And... There are aspects of this film that I don't think work as well, but the film has a ton of fun. The airport, the airport, 
ugh, the airport fight is a ton of fun. It's it's one of those things that you you imagine like as a kid. I remember when I had my you know MC figures and all that stuff. We would you, you know you always want to make the heroes fight against each other. It's always who would win, you know, Batman or Superman, Captain America or Iron Man. I mean, we have these things, you know, hero versus hero. They're honestly the more interesting battles. And to see the Russo brothers kind of give us one of those moments we've always kind of, you know, dreamed of for forever. I mean, ever since, you, you know, you could hold MCU ac or Marvel action figures. It was a great, uh, it was a great battle. But this film also has a lot of heavy emotional moments. The third act of the film, the fight between Cap and Iron Man, it's 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 a re almost hard to watch. Honestly, you're very invested in the fight, and you know seeing the two of them just go at it, swinging. It's a really good fight, but it's a I, I think it's a significantly better fight than the airport battle because of the. <clears throat> Because of the emotional stakes behind it. I think that the emotional investment that you have in these two fighting puts that battle in the final you know, third act of the film. It puts it at, at a higher uh, pedestal, in my opinion, because of the emotional investment. The Russo brothers did an excellent job of building up each motivation for the characters where you understand why Cap is fighting for Bucky. You understand why Iron Man is fighting for the Sokovia Accords. And honestly, at this point in the MCU, where we're at right now, we've had Age of Ultron. We had Iron Man 3. Iron Man wasn't really the most well-liked character at that point in the MCU. We were kind of thinking maybe Downey needs to step away. But the Russo brothers do really well, particularly in the first half of the film, is I got reinvested in Iron Man. They really give him a, a great arc for him to have over the course of the film and a solid motivation for him to go against his uh his friend you you really do understand um every character's motivation in this film and i really do like that the russo brothers are able to make each character feel like they have a cause worth fighting for and if this film was just you know oh cap's fighting so i'm gonna fight that's not really i mean i think certain maybe for certain characters that's the case but really, I think that each character has a good motivation for uh, for this fight. And that's one of the things I think the Russo brothers do best with Civil War. It's highly entertaining, but there's also that edginess that the Russo brothers always bring that that I enjoy. It's not like it's not the Batman or anything like that. It doesn't go that dark. But when it comes to the action, you can hear the clash, all that stuff. It's got a bit of a more grittiness feel to it than some of these past MC films. And that's one of the things I like about the Russo brothers. I feel like they capture that grittiness even better in my third favorite MC film, Winter Soldier, a film that really does go full on board with the spy thriller uh, feel. And it was super refreshing, in my opinion, in the grand scheme of the MCU. This is a film that has a, a style to it that I really do enjoy returning to. Is the color palette that great? No, but... I push that aside because we get these great action sequences. The action sequences, the elevator fight is obviously you know, it was referenced in Endgame, and still that's a really fun fight. It's got this uh, these great brutal fights. I think the most brutal fights of the MCU are in Winter Soldier. The uh, sound design, the directing by the Russo brothers. I don't know if they've proved themselves that they could do stuff outside of the MCU. Yet, 
you know, we're, we're about to see with the Gray Man. They didn't really do that with Cherry. But I really do like the way that they handle Captain America. They really put him a step higher than First Avenger did, where I really enjoyed the origin story and the character was good. You really get even more invested in Cap after this film. And honestly, sometimes, you know, particularly in Phase 2, Captain America is is my guy for Phase 2. I like him more in Ultron than I do than Iron Man, and I think that he gets the better film than Iron Man when it comes to Phase 2 as well. So I really do I really do like Captain America, and I think this is the best story he's gotten. And Chris Evans, man, he does a great job playing this character. He did a great job in Silver War. He does a really good job here. He really does add a lot of emotion to this character. I think of the, the scene where he meets or he's, he's talking with Peggy as she's old and on the hospital bed. The, his performance there I thought was really well done, and I think he does a, a fantastic job at playing this character. It's got a really uh, great story at the center of it. You know, it, it almost doesn't even feel like a superhero film at times, and that's one of the things that I, I do like a lot about this film is that this honestly could – could have been just any other spy film, you know, Mission Impossible, the guy's got to go rogue to take down the organization, all that stuff. We've seen it before, but seeing it here as a Captain America film, uh, it makes it a little bit more interesting in my opinion. And so I really enjoy the action, the the character work here. Black Widow gets a great story as well. Um, it's a really good film. And I think it, it at times it, it kind of shuffles back and forth on where I put it. Sometimes it's even higher on the list. It's, it's a highly entertaining film. Um, number two, Thor Ragnarok, when you look at just how disappointing Thor Love and Thunder was and look how uh, fun Thor Ragnarok was, it's a it's a big disappointment. I feel like this uh, Thor Love and Thunder film could have turned out better, but I still got Thor Ragnarok, and it's a highly entertaining film from start to finish. Taika Waititi brings a ton of fun and directing flourishes. The set design feels different. There's a lot of craziness happening on uh, this Jeff Goldblum planet. I don't even remember what it's called, but I just call it the Jeff Goldblum planet. He brings in a lot of these fun actors. Jeff Goldblum, obviously, who I just mentioned. Him as Korg. Honestly, seems like Korg got a little bit worse in Thor Love and Thunder, but I really enjoyed Korg in this film. Even though there's all these jokes and all this flash and that stuff has been talked about forever, and you maybe you don't like it, and maybe you do, I still feel like the best Thor story is in this film. And and maybe with the exception of my number one, uh, I do like Thor's story in that movie as well. But I really feel like even despite all the jokes, we get this really good story about Thor having to realize that he's more than just a hammer. Asgard is more than just a place. It's a people. And th there's a really good themes here and, and character building for Thor in this movie that I think is the best stuff that he's ever gotten in the MCU. And I don't really feel like the jokes detract from his story. And that's, and I love, you know, Taika Waititi's jokes and, and the way that he makes films, but also not even because of just the jokes, but because of the emotion that he's able to bring in these really fun comedy filled movies he still has a, a emotional center to it and that was really what thor love and thunder was missing in my opinion nevertheless highly recommend this movie it's incredibly entertaining the led zeppelin you know so many good shots in this film as well that i really do enjoy taiko Waititi always uh slides in a really uh gorgeous shot he did it with thor love and thunder he also does it in thor ragnarok 
The movie is a ton of fun, and I think it's the pinnacle of fun the MCU has ever reached. I put it at number two. Number one, I gotta go with Avengers Infinity War. And I think that's mainly because this movie tries to, you know, it, it puts a theme at the center of it, or it it leaves the audience feeling a certain way that we've never felt before in, in an MCU. I remember watching this movie with my dad and my brother for the first time in theaters, and that feeling of devastation, that feeling of loss, that we didn't win at the end. I always hold on to that feeling because we've never felt that in any other MCU film. And I think that that is really what puts Infinity War above the rest is that different feeling that it leaves you with, that feeling of devastation, but also you had an incredibly fun time. And I think that this movie shows what the MCU is truly capable of, giving you these darker moments like what we get in the third act of this film. And even though, in retrospect, we all knew, you know, we were getting a Spider-Man movie in a couple years, all that stuff. But in that moment, that feeling, and even still, when I rewatched the movie, that devastation, something about it, it still lingers. That feeling of loss, the, the feeling that our heroes did not win the day. And something about that, it's just so different than what the MCU has done before. And I'm not, and I'm not just putting it at number one because it's different. What I'm saying is when the MCU went different and left us feeling a little bit different than we come to expect from an MCU movie, it proved to work because I held on to that. That feeling was more powerful than this stuff. Oh, well, you know, it's over and we all had a happy ending, all that stuff. We know all that stuff. We've we've been through the, you know, the whole reach a down point in the second act, rise back up in the third act, a big CGI battle, beam in the sky, you know, dull villain all that stuff we've gotten that before we, we we've seen that stuff in over the course of i mean freaking 32 films we've gotten that thing this uh, just over and over and over again we've gotten that same you know story you know cookie cutter thing infinity war still has you know those signature things right those big cgi battles you know we get all that stuff that the mcu is known for and the the quippy jokes you know the movie doesn't have probably as many jokes as you know something like my number two Thor Ragnarok, but I mean it still keeps some of the lightheartedness there, and there's 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 humor here, but I think the MC or this film at least it takes a bit of a step back with the jokes, and I think it proves to be a little uh, more effective because I think about the second half of this film, there's really not that many jokes. To be had. I mean, the more the jokes you're gonna find this first half are, you know, stuff with talking about the Hulk ice cream, the hunka hunka, or the Hulka hunka, whatever. And then, you know, calling a what's his face, you know, Squidward or whatever. You know, we we get those quips from Spider-Man and Iron Man and Hulk, Captain America, all that stuff. We get that in the first half. This second half really does have a uh, it's going for something that the MCU normally doesn't. It, it, I really do enjoy the battle between Thanos, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. That, to me, is a better battle than what we get back at Earth, where it's kind of the typical you know, aliens flying all over the place and just killing them all. That stuff is not really my ideal version of a battle, but there's a lot more creative things that we see our characters do in on the 
on Titan where you know we're seeing Doctor Strange cast these creative spells and Iron Man use weapons we haven't seen him use before and, and all that stuff. It, it proved to be a more exciting battle in my opinion. I also really want to give mad props to Josh Brolin because he is really, I think, one of the things that puts this movie above the rest is I think Thanos is my favorite MCU villain. And 50% of that is because of Brolin. The performance that's, that he's able to add to this CJ character, um, a bunch of props to the people who did the moat or who helped, you know, the behind the scenes stuff with the mocap for being able to help this performance shine through. And we still get the emotional moments from this character the the depth that we see in his eyes and all that stuff and just all those details to this performance that is able to come through i think it puts this villain above so many of the other you know cliche poorly written mc villains that we've seen before thanos is a, a different type of villain and i really do enjoy brolin's performance it's Really, really well done stuff. And, I, and I'm a big fan of Josh Boland. I think this is one of his best performances, honestly. I really like what he's able to do with this character. And you, really, it almost feels like this movie is a Thanos film. I don't feel like it fully embraces that. And maybe this would even be a better film if it did kind of embrace this as a Thanos film. But this movie really does pay attention and and spend time on Thanos's motivations and spend time on his character, and we we understand you know just a small glimpse of the you know the turmoil that he's had to go through to to reach this uh this you know this all these stones and to accomplish this this grand mission of his we don't agree with it but we understand the motivation and that's really all that I need with an MC villain is to just at least understand and connect with that motivation, even if I don't agree with it. When it comes to a villain like the Dark Elves and Thor the Dark World, I don't even understand, right? I, I, I can't connect, right? Infinity War allows me to connect here, and it also gives us good stories for, you know, maybe Captain America wasn't the most, you know, prominent figure in this film, but we also get, I think, a good Iron Man story we get a good clash between him and Thanos. Our heroes are still fun, and and I'm along for the ride with them. But the way they go against Thanos is really what makes this movie so interesting to me. And and over time, you know, you would think Endgame is the better film. It's more fun. It's good. it gives us all the great moments and stuff. Infinity War provides something that I think is a little bit deeper and a little. I don't know what I don't know what exactly the term would be, but Endgame is all about wrapping things up and bringing characters back and all that stuff was fun and i enjoy it i put it at number five infinity war its story it's it's close attention to its villain all this stuff is and the idea behind loss and losing at the end something about that really does put this film above the more cameo filled endgame and and that stuff it is is all well and good. I love Easter eggs. That stuff is fun. What Infinity War does, it, it ended up connecting with me a little bit more. And and you may enjoy Endgame more, and that's great. Whatever Infinity War did, it connected with me on on a level that put it up at my number one spot. So I, I really like this film. I, I like a lot of these MCU films. The thing is, there aren't a lot of there's a right now we're at about a I mean I think Ant-Man or 
Iron Man 3. I, I, that was the first three-star recommendable film. That was number 23. So we've got one, two, seven, and ten. Ten MCU films that I do not really like. And honestly, it looks like that is probably going to increase over time. We'll just have to see what the future of the MCU holds. I'm hoping for the best. I hope that we get out of this rut that we're in and that they push past this uh, this more bleaker phase that they're in right now. We did get No Way Home and we did get Loki. But at this point, we need something a little bit more in the MCU. I'm not sure what it is, but they need to find their footing again because it feels like they're kind of bubbling around the dark right now. I'm not really sure what's going on, but something about this phase is just not the same. And it, and it has really worked for me from the jump. I think Black Widow or whatever, WandaVision even, that was the jump. And since then, they just haven't really fully delivered what I think uh, people are hoping for from this from this phase, and it hasn't really been good. It's I think it's the worst phase of the MCU. But nevertheless, we're still getting No Way Home. We're still getting Loki, and there's there are those diamonds in the rough in this phase. But if I if I want an MCU film, I'll return to a film like Iron Man, a film like Avengers, Infinity War, Endgame, Ragnarok. MCU still has so many fun films to watch and so many entertaining movies that I'll see over and over and over again. They're highly entertaining, and I enjoy them. And those top ten really are films that I thoroughly enjoy, and particularly those top five. I, I really respect what the MCU has done. What they've done is incredible. The 33 films, the build-up to Endgame, the payoff, all that stuff, they've really been able to deliver in a lot of aspects. So I still have a lot of respect for them. They just haven't, they're just not at their best spot right now. Maybe they'll get out of it. I'm not sure. But I enjoy a lot of these MCU films. For the most part, MCU has a, a solid track record with me. Maybe not the best films. A lot of those films that I would recommend are pretty mediocre. Uh, and that is a something that I don't fully respect is the excessiveness of three-star films that are just okay. But they're not the worst. <laughs> That's what I will say is I, I was, I've I honestly liked more films like Iron Man 3 when you see how bleak it can get with a film like Love and Thunder. And there you go. I guess that's it. That's my MCU ranking. A big episode. Will I ever do it again? I don't know. At the, at the rate the MCU is going with all these projects, man, I don't know. This episode was a big enough one as it is. I had to split up in two parts, quite frankly. So. There you go. Man, it was a big episode. I don't know if I'll ever rank the MCU movies again, but I had a good time coming on, reflecting on these past MCU films and the 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 strengths that the MCU has had over the years. It's really impressive stuff. Even if films like The Dark Knight, films like, uh, uh, you know, my more favorite films, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Pulp Fiction, Goodfellas, Casino, Zodiac, Seven, those are the films that I'll always enjoy more, but I still have a special place in my heart for those fun MCU films. I'm still on board for those. The MCU just hasn't delivered them lately, but I enjoyed going through their 33 projects. Missed, you know, Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, but honestly, who cares? Anyway, that was the episode. Thank you guys so much for going with, with me through those 
those films. There was a big episode. I didn't know it would be that big, but hey, at least I could split it up in two parts. So my I I'm sure I released, you know, Thor Love of Thunder before this. And then here's part two, MCU rankings, all that stuff, recording them all. They're they're main they're pretty much a whole conversation, but splitting them up. I'm splitting them up in two parts. But really had a good time coming on talking about these films. Coming up on the show. We've got Nope coming out soon. By the time this episode is out, is out, I will have seen Nope. My review for that will be coming in a couple days, as well as my review for Netflix's The Gray Man, starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Those reviews will be coming soon. Five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, feedback is appreciated. I, uh, I, really, res- uh, I really appreciate the people who tune in and listen to this show. My allergies are so bad right now, but hopefully they'll <laughs> hopefully they'll get better. That was holding me back a lot this episode, but mercy. My allergies are awful. But thank you guys so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. And I'll come back with my review for Jordan Peele's latest film, Nope.